0: You're listening to TMI with Christine, a show where we give you way too much information about meal planning and time management.
1: Hey there, I'm Christine Pittman, and this is Time Management Insider, a show where we share way too much information about meal planning and time management for inside the home. I am so excited about today's episode. It is episode number 52, and since we've been doing an episode every single week since we started, that means that it's our one year anniversary. And so I wanted to have a little bit of fun and celebrate. And to do that, I'm doing something a little bit different this week. Usually we have a guest on that I sort of interview and talk with about a variety of different things. This week, instead, I'm the one being interviewed. So I have Heather McCurdy from Real the Kitchen and Beyond who's going to be on interviewing me. Now, Heather, you probably know from the episodes that she's done with me, one on hosting a meal prep party and one on bringing systems into your kitchen. Heather was my business manager for my business, but she has left our team. We're very, very sad to see her go. But she's moving on to better, amazing things in her life, and that's exciting. But she's still a friend, and she was such a huge part of this podcast. She helped me get it started and set up and has been there all along this year. So I really wanted her to be part of this, and I'm really delighted that she said yes. Thank you, Heather. So we're doing that interview, and the meal plan this week is a tiny bit different. It's a meal plan for two because I really wanted to do a meal plan that highlights the food that I love and what I make when my kids aren't here. Every second week, they're not here. So I just, yeah, my favorite foods all on a meal plan for you. And I am going to be back in just a moment with a really fun tip about music and chores. Yes you heard that right I said that I have a tip About music and chores And that it would be fun Well, I don't think chores are really that fun, but they are much better if you have something great to listen to. I often listen to podcasts or music. That's not really the tip. I'm sure you do something similar. The tip is more about finding the right music to listen to. I don't know about you, but I get really sick of the same playlists over and over again, hearing the same songs over and over again, and it can be unmotivating. You know, I put on a playlist, I jump into whatever task I want to do. And the music's boring and then I'm just kind of bored and I, you know, I don't want to do the thing anymore. Whereas if I somehow find a great playlist, then I love doing the work or love it more. And, you know, it just goes faster and everything flows. So my tip for today is about finding great music. Now, I use Spotify. I don't think it matters which service you use exactly for what I'm going to say. Now, I'm going to start by saying you should absolutely listen to Blow Pop the band, if you're looking for somebody to listen to. It is them or a subset of them or a superset of them. I'm never entirely sure who do the music for this podcast. So they are audio snack in their sort of commercial music world. And that is who did the music for this show. All of the great music that you hear in every episode. But in their alter ego world, they are blow pop and they just released a new EP called Let Me In. My favorite song on that EP is drive us mad previous songs that they've done that I love are Friendly, Put You Down, and Nobody. I just love their music. So that is one little tip about fighting great music. Listen to Blow Pop. You can't go wrong with them. The other tip is to look for playlists for a particular year. So I often, you know, I'll go like just 80s pop or 80s club or 90s country or like whatever it is I'm looking for. And I'll choose a decade. That seems to be a fairly common thing. But what happens when you do that is it tends to be like, I don't know, the 50 or 60 best songs from that whole decade, which gets repetitive because it ends up being sort of the same 50 or 60 songs. But if you instead go on Spotify and search for 1986. You end up with like the 50 or 60 best songs from 1986. And if you were around driving your car around in 1986, or I don't know, going to sock hops at school in 1986, or any of those sorts of things, all these songs are going to still be familiar. And they're going to be ones that you don't hear as often because they don't make it onto those bigger decade playlists. And so you're not as sick of them. And so you listen to them while you do your chores and the chores are more fun and you have more motivation and... It's just really great. I also will say choosing years for me anyhow that are of like particular significance like the year I graduated from high school and like first year of college when I first was able to start going to dance clubs those years they bring back so many memories like I can I can almost smell my locker in high school when I listen to the 1994 playlist you know what I mean So try looking for playlists for particular years, and I promise it's going to make your chores, well, maybe not fun, but way more fun. I'll be back in a minute. You're listening to Christine talk about meal planning and time management, but
0: do you know who she is? She's been helping households with her recipes and time management ideas for over a decade on cookthestory.com and The Cookful. With over 2 million visitors per month on her websites and over 40 outstanding cookbooks, now she's talking to you directly on this podcast and accompanying newsletter. Go to cookthestory.com newsletter and get her meal plans, recipes, and all her amazing ideas to help you and your family in the kitchen. Now back to the show.
1: So since this is our one-year anniversary show, I really wanted a chance to take stock and think about what we've done in this year, what I've learned, what everybody has learned, where we're going, what the point of it all is. And the best way to do that, I really thought, was for me to answer some questions and dive in a little bit deeper into those things. And so I am delighted that Heather McCurdy from Real the Kitchen and Beyond agreed to be my interviewer. So here we go. Heather, how's it going? Great. How are you? I am doing really good. I'm a little bit nervous because I haven't really done this before. You are going to be interviewing me today on the show. (laughs) Yes, it's your turn for the hot seat. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. Well, where do you want to start? Well, let's start by kind of reminiscing a
0: little bit, I guess. I mean, you've been doing this podcast for a year now, right? So Mm -hmm. why did you start it in the first place?
1: Yeah. So I have always loved talk radio. I, my, my grandmother, my Ukrainian baba used to have talk radio on all the time at her place. My parents had it on in the car a lot. And then when I started like driving to college, I remember my commute, I would put on whatever random talk radio hosts were on, even if I disagreed with anything and everything they said, I just really enjoyed that medium. And then when I discovered that podcasts existed, that I could like listen to them on demand. And now I'm going back, this is like 12 years that I first started finding podcasts. I just thought it was amazing. And I would daydream about like what my podcast would be about or what it would be like. But I never, it was always this like challenging, like, how do you put it together? And I don't know anything about recording. And then I think also, I never had, like, a super solid idea that I was really excited about. So there was both the obstacle of, like... I don't know how to do this. And also, I don't know exactly what I would do. Or There's nothing that I'm really excited about. And then this idea for like household time management and the realization that that's something that I'm really, really good at that I can talk about fairly easily, that just came to me. And I think probably combined with the the TMI as a name and time management insider, all of that just kind of came together in this like, oh, I could totally do this and I'm excited about it. And the meal planning, I really believe in knowing everybody does things differently, but having a plan for what you do can really, really help life in general systems. You and I have talked about this so many times. So it was, it was that all together. So, and then, and then I was friends with a radio producer who was able to help me get it started and, and produce it. So all of that sort of happened at the same time and yeah, and that was it. That was a year ago.
0: Yeah. Yeah. What is harder about doing this podcast and the meal
1: planning aspect of it than you had expected? The the meal planning is the harder part in general. I actually, you know what, I think I thought that interviewing was going to be hard. And it turns out that I, I'm not going to go so far as to say I'm great at it, but I find it easy. It comes naturally to me. I don't have to write down a lot of questions ahead of time the conversations can be free-flowing and i was worried that i wouldn't be able to listen to somebody properly while trying to think of questions to ask them but it, it just that has not been a problem usually it It has been a lot of fun. So the interview part has been much easier than I expected. Sometimes coming up with things to talk about at the beginning, I really, I mean, things have evolved. And when I first started out, I wanted there to be sort of like a larger philosophical time management point at the beginning. I ran out of those really quickly and realized that they were, I don't know, maybe too abstract or something. And that what I wanted was to be more practically useful to people. And so that has shifted to like little, little things that you could put into action right now, like, getting a different kettle that continuously boils so that you're not waiting for hot water or like like little, little tiny things that in my life or that I've seen other people do that really save some time, little practical things. But sometimes coming up with those can be challenging. I have a running list now whenever I, because I'll think about them, they'll come to me like in the shower or when I'm out for a walk. And so I've put a place on my phone where I can note them down so that I don't forget. But yeah, that's been tricky. And then the meal planning itself, I meal plan for myself and my own family all the time but that is always taking into account their likes and dislikes and like our weird patterns you know sometimes we literally both of my kids love smoked salmon like love it love it so we'll have like smoked salmon and bread and cucumbers and something really easy like that that I don't even know how to Advise anybody to do that because I don't know if your family likes smoked salmon. And it's such a simple dinner. It's not really a recipe. Is that a cop out? Maybe it's not. Maybe I can recommend it sometimes. But yeah, so I, I sometimes think it's like I was great at yeah, good at doing it for my own house and our stuff, but then put out into the real world and everybody else's possible likes and dislikes and and their nutritional needs and need for variety and all that kind of stuff is huge. And so trying to navigate that has been a little bit trickier.
0: So what is your strategy for choosing specific recipes for the meal plans?
1: Yeah. So this has evolved quite a bit. So my goal for the meal plans is that they will not have too many ingredients needed. I try really hard to keep the grocery list to under 20 items that you probably need to buy so that uh, the 20 doesn't count salt, pepper, olive oil, even things like broth or canned beans, tomato sauce, canned tomatoes, I assume a somewhat well-stocked pantry. And if I assume you have a somewhat well-stocked pantry and you've got some onions and some garlic and you've got some butter and eggs and, and maybe some bread, if you have all of those sort of basic things, if I give you a list of 20 other things, can you come up with a delicious meal plan for the week for five, five dinners. So I am trying to keep that down to 20. So that means that I'm trying to choose recipes that use some of the same ingredients to keep that list shorter, to save time in the grocery store and to save money. And then the other thing that I'm trying to do at the same time is have the the meals themselves have a lot of variety in them. So you're not having something too similar day after day. So using the same ingredients to make very different things, that can be challenging. But what I've been doing, oh, probably the last two months now, is I start with one recipe. I choose something from one of my websites that I think would be a great dinner to have on, say, a Tuesday. And then I jot down what ingredients you would need to buy to make that. And then I search my own sites for other... You can actually just sort of search for an ingredient and it'll find other things that use those ingredients or similar named things. And then I start working that way to try and fill out the meal plan based around that sort of one meal and the ingredients. And then that list of ingredients you have to buy. So then I add a second recipe our second meal. And then I'll jot down on that same list, the other things that you need to buy to make that one. Well, now I've got a little running list of maybe eight or nine items. So now I'm trying to find other recipes that'll use some more of those same ingredients. Does that make sense? Yes. Yep. That makes sense. That's a great way to do it
0: you kind of mentioned some of the things that you learned about making meal plans for others, whether or or concerns, I guess, whether it's nutritional value or what they eat or allergies or dislikes or likes. Are there other things you've learned about making meal plans for other people? I guess, I think like it could be something where you going into it, I could say, well, okay, I just can randomly go find five recipes. Okay, well now I'm going to try to make sure that they have similar ingredients. And it seems like that would be like, kind of super simple right so what other things have you learned that make it actually more complicated
1: than that i my own like imposter syndrome or insecurity about this i think is what makes it more difficult i feel like i don't know i don't think anybody is reading these things actually and judging me or what i feed my family or anything like that but there is that little voice sometimes in my head that's like there's rice on the white rice on this meal plan three days this week that cannot possibly be healthy. That is too much. I don't know. I'm not even going to get into what it's too much of, but that somehow Mm -hmm. that is a poor reflection on me or my health or, you know, and, and so trying to not get in my head about that has been difficult. And I think you can sort of see it on the meal plans because it'll say something like the actual menu item will be like, I don't know, balsamic chicken breast salad and and rice. But then in the actual instructions, it'll say instead of rice, you can make farro or quinoa or cauliflower rice. Like I'm clearly trying to (laughs) like round it out and make it healthier, which is, you know, rice is easier. It's shorter and everybody knows what it is and it can just go on there and everybody understands what that dinner is. And I put it there and then that little voice is like, oh, wait, is this healthy enough? Is this enough variety? I do the same thing like my kids don't love cooked vegetables very much. They like cooked broccoli and they will eat cooked green beans. Other than that, it's mostly raw carrots, raw bell peppers, raw cucumbers. And so I do a lot of that. Like it's a lot of salad, like neither of them likes lettuce. So I'll make a salad with lettuce, tomatoes, cucumbers, cauliflower for me and Marty. And then for the kids, it'll just be that without the lettuce and maybe some carrot sticks. And so there's a lot, like it's just often like salad or sliced cucumbers and tomatoes, like that shows up there. And I'm like, gosh, it's just not very exciting. But that is the first thing that comes to my mind to serve with that dish because that's what my family's having. So there, I think there is that like imposter syndrome that that's been hard to get over. In the meal planning and in kind of all of it. Like there's always this like, does anybody really want to hear about my kettle? Like, is that really what I'm talking about right now? <laughs> so <laughs> there, that, that, that's the hardest thing.
0: <laughs> I think though, too, though, to your point of, you, you know, that little voice in your head says about oh, white rice can't possibly be good. So I need to add more things. I think that can also have a benefit though, because then, you know, people maybe are not thinking about the fact that they could try these other grains and it maybe gets some people thinking outside the box or other people to just not be like, there's no way I'm having white rice three times a week and that's what she wants. So see you later. Whereas you're kind of giving people some other option ideas who may just be so like tired of having to make decisions that Mm -hmm. you just adding those additional things makes it easy for them.
1: I hope so. I I hope that people can... I I Like I said, I don't think anybody's reading these and judging me, but only my own little head does that. I do hope that the different ideas... What I've said this a lot of times. I don't know if... Oh, I do know that some people use these meal plans. I don't know if very many people are going to use them or if... But I think they give ideas. Like, I think you can be like, oh, what are we having for dinner this week? What has Christine got in a meal plan? Well, my family's not going to eat that or that, but we will totally eat... These things, and if we have that, then we'll have leftover this, and we can you know, and it starts that, like you said, that decision making process, what should, what are we gonna have for dinner this week can be so hard. And if I can give anyone even one person a, a starting point to make that a little bit easier, then I think that that has been successful,
0: yeah. So you know you know what have you learned about meal planning for yourself, or have you learned anything? Has it adjusted the way you meal plan for your family or? I think it's
1: made me realize that I don't do what I thought I was doing. I thought I was really good at doing it sort of on a weekly basis. And, you know, obviously the pandemic changed things a lot. And being able to go to the grocery store more often also changed things. Like I found there was, you know, that long stretch of time. So the the whole first year of this podcast, of course, was during the pandemic. And so for the first while I was doing all like grocery delivery. I still do grocery delivery. But that would be like a once a week sort of thing that I would do and I would plan sort of well for the week. And then all of a sudden I was going to the grocery store again and driving past the grocery store more often and being able to just stop in and get things. Then my meal planning kind of shifted to only like two or three days at a time. And then I'd go to do the week meal plan. For the podcast, be like, well, what did we have? What do, what do I have on my meal plan for this week? I'm like, I only have two things. Like that's not helpful. So there's been a little bit of like a realization of how I actually do things, and also I use I use the meal plans on the site now, which is interesting just because they they do help me. And I see, I don't know if I can explain this properly, the, the this sort of template meal plan thing that I set up for other people. I can look at it, print out the grocery list and adjust the grocery list for my family and do this very quickly. It's super, super helpful, but it's really not what I was doing for my family before. So I think what I learned was I implemented this strategy for the podcast and this like streamlined kind of way of doing things for the podcast, and it doesn't really reflect what I normally do and probably doesn't reflect what most people do. I don't know. Uh, Although I had a guest on recently who does her meal plan for the whole month at a time. So some people do do the full week. I don't think I'm making sense. I think I've just learned that my system for how I actually meal plan is very fluid and changes week to week, day to day, depending on all kinds of things. And there are a whole bunch of systems going on, but they're not always the same and they overlap. And sometimes they duplicate each other. It's a little bit more all over the place than I thought it was.
0: Right. And maybe like there's patterns there of like, when I have this type of week, this is the type of meal planning that works for me. If Mm -hmm. I have this type of other week, then this is the type of meal planning that works. And I think like, maybe that's, I think part of, the whole podcast, the whole point here is like we have different systems for different things
1: mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. that's okay as long as it's working for us, right? Yes, that and you know what? Also, and I maybe I should have said this at the very beginning when you asked why I started it. I have this theory that I think has been borne out a little bit that- everybody already does have systems in place you you and i have talked about this too on the show i think people have systems in place some are better than others for themselves i'm not going to judge your system but like sometimes it works and sometimes it doesn't but there is a pattern that people are using and that that is really intriguing to me and that i think we can all learn things by hearing what other people's systems are you know so like it, it Yeah. So some weeks, like, you know, I, I talk about this all the time. The weeks that I have my kids are very different in how I meal plan. You know, I, I keep in my head that when I have the kids for the week, I want to have a plan in place for sure. But I know I'm probably gonna have to go to the grocery store a couple of times because we almost always run out of milk. We almost always run out of fruit. So I have that in my mind that I'm going to be going for some staples. So, you know, leaving one day off is, is okay. But I'm kind of planning for the week. When it's just me or just me and Marty, I I tend to do sort of more two days. What do I feel like? I'm going to have way more flexibility in my time. I actually enjoy taking a break in the middle of the day and running to the grocery store and getting something fresh for dinner that night like that. I have the time and space when they're not here. So that is different. And yeah, so I think... Part of the point of the show and what I'm also learning is that there are a whole bunch of different systems and shining a light on them, either internally at your own systems, at my own systems, or hearing about others can really help us all identify our systems, identify what works, come up with new ideas and new strategies.
0: Yeah. And I think that's really good and helpful. Thanks. Especially when it's not like, I think that you do a great job of telling people you know, here are all these different systems, find what works for you within it, or, mm-hmm. you know, just using it as an encouragement for looking more deeply at your own processes and how they're working or not working for you. And you have the power to change those things.
1: Yeah, exactly.
0: I want to change directions just a little bit. And that is how you choose who you interview. Like, obviously it's not all meal planning and that's what we've talked about mostly here, but you have that broader picture of time management also, and you have a varied group of people that you'll interview. (laughs) I don't think that's necessarily the right way, the right term for it, but, you know, from all walks of life and Mm -hmm. all sorts of career paths, how do you choose those people?
1: Yeah. So it started off kind of like what I was just saying that I wanted to hear how different people were doing this? How how, how do you, or how what does your family look like? Or what does your household look like? I don't want to assume everybody lives with family, chosen family, household, who you're living with. What does that look like? And what is your schedule like? And how are you doing it? So the show started off with interviews with some of my friends or people that I knew, who I knew were doing things interestingly. I mean, there's Emily in one of the early episodes who lives on an antique sailboat and they travel around the world on this boat and like, how, how, how on earth are you <laughs> meal planning? I really wanted to know that. And then sometimes it's just, you know, I, I know like my friend Jeanette does like meal prep for fitness and, and for her health and, and, and also for her busy schedule. And I wanted to hear about that. And then I have my friend Amber who doesn't do any meal planning, but sort of thinks about what she's going to make for dinner in a panicked way on her drive home from work. And, you know, talking about like, that as a strategy, that can be a strategy. But yeah, so anytime that anybody that I was talking to brought up anything like that, I would get excited and want to talk to them. And it did start out with friends. And then I also, I started sort of asking around, like, does anybody know anybody who's doing anything interesting? And as is because of, I guess, the career that I've had for the last 11, 12 years at this point, very much in the food industry and blogging world and going to different culinary conferences and things. I do happen to know a lot of people in this industry. And so in those conversations, how do you get food on the table? I'm often talking to somebody who is a professional in this, or if they're going to recommend somebody to me, it is often somebody who, you know, oh, I have a friend who has a, a cookbook about this. You should talk to them. So there's been this almost an evolution of like, friends who are not in the industry. And then it sort of slowly started to also incorporate, I guess I've sort of not run out of friends, but not as many of the people that I know want to talk to me. (laughs) I've run out of them. (laughs) So I'm in my professional world. And then of course, in the professional world, I can just be honest about this. Those people do want to be mentioned and talked about and linked to and all of that sort of thing. And they want to talk about their new cookbook or so they have an extra reason to want to be on the show more than like, you know, my friend who who makes her meal prep every week. She Jeanette's happy to be on the show all the time, but it doesn't like serve her, you know? So I think there's been that. And then I think also I've realized that I the show originally it's time management and meal planning uh, time management inside the house and meal planning and but i wanted it to be fun like that was always okay we have to do this thing we have to organize our lives we have to meal plan we have to cook we have to feed ourselves you know how, how can i make that information how can i get that information to people in a fun way so that's why i chose really fun music for the show and i try to keep things really upbeat And I think that in that interview space, I've started trying to just find people in mostly the food world, but also travel and and personal organization and fitness and all these places who I think have something interesting to say. I try to tie it into time management with the theme of the show. I try to tie it into meal planning. But really, I mean, I have coming up in a couple of weeks, a chocolate educator on and we're talking about chocolate. And, you know, I'll, what I tried to do was say, OK, so we're busy people and we want to indulge sometimes and spend a little bit of extra money on chocolate. We don't want to have to spend a lot of time researching chocolate. How can you help us with this? So I'm trying to make it into like a time management thing. But really, I just wanted to talk to Estelle about chocolate, you know, <laughs> <laughs> who doesn't want to talk about chocolate. I know. And If you can make it fit time management, all the better. Yeah. And if I can, so it's like, I'm trying to make, we're going to, it's like Mary Poppins, right? We're going to have our, our medicine, the meal plan, talk about streamlining and we're going to have the sugar and, and have some fun while we're doing it. That sounds great to me. Well, wow. I think that I, I've, I, wait, I usually wrap this up. I'm looking at the time. And- <laughs> I think,
0: I think that we've ha- talked about some great things and we could probably talk a little bit longer, but. Everybody's going to get tired of listening to one long episode, probably, right?
1: Yeah, yeah. You know what? Well, well, to that point, you didn't ask this, but the first interviews that I did, probably the first, like, 10 episodes, I just let them go. Like, we'll just talk for as long as we're having a good time. So there are some really, really long interviews, and at some point... I mean, I, I just realized, like, wait a minute, I don't have time for this. The guest doesn't have time for this. And definitely people listening don't have time for this. So okay. I try to keep them at around 20 minutes now. And that, yeah. you know, you're asking me about, like, what I found difficult. What I, Trying to get to the heart of things and really have a great conversation in 20 minutes. I was challenging at first, but now I think it's wonderful. You know, I, I say this all the time. When you limit things, you actually bring out more creativity. And I think it, it improves stuff so much.
0: That makes sense. Well, thanks for having me on to interview you.
1: <laughs> Thank you for interviewing me. Have a great day, Heather. <laughs> you too. Thank you, Heather, for interviewing me. That was really fun, and you got to know we miss you so much in base camp. We're not seeing you all the time in there. So, it was nice to touch base and have a nice chat. I just re-listened to the interview and I have so many things I want to comment on. The first thing that comes to mind is that, yeah, some of those early interviews are very long. I don't want to say they're not good, but they are pretty long. The one though that I think is wonderful and it's probably the longest one is from episode six, How to Make Thanksgiving Dinner. And I'm mentioning it because we're coming into that season of fall big dinners and that sort of thing. It is an episode with my mom and my mom did a ton of catering. Uh, you probably know that my parents had restaurants when I was growing up and I worked in the restaurants with them and that was their main career in life. And so my mom's tips for feeding a crowd, for doing big turkey dinners, for keeping mashed potatoes warm, all of that stuff, I just totally picked her brain in that episode and it is so great. So absolutely go and listen to episode six if you are going to be doing a big dinner this coming winter season The other thing I want to say is it didn't come up and I really thought it would. One of the things that I've really learned in doing this podcast, especially talking to parents and especially to mothers, is this sense of like we're not doing good enough if we aren't great at cooking and if we don't love cooking. Like you not only have to be good at it, but you have to really enjoy it. And that keeps coming up as this like pressure that we feel. And I just wanted to, I guess, pull that out here because – I don't know if I've said it recently or said it enough that we're all kind of feeling that. And if you're feeling it, it's okay. And try to let it go. Try to think about cooking and meal planning the way that we think about laundry, where if, you know, we don't love doing it, it's not the end of the world and it doesn't make us bad people. So that is one of the biggest things that I've learned sort of on an emotional level, in doing this podcast, and it has come up so many times with guests, so I wanted to make sure that I brought that up. Now, I am going to turn to the meal plan portion of this show. But before I do that, I have a favor to ask. I don't usually ask this. I don't know if I ever have. But if you are listening, if you like this show as a little anniversary gift to me, I would love it if you would subscribe to the podcast so it shows up in your podcast feed. And I'd also really love it if you could leave a review. If the way that you listen to this podcast is a way that allows you to rate and review podcasts, I would really, really appreciate it if you would do that for me today. Thank you very much. And I'm. if you don't, that's totally cool too. I'm really just happy that you're listening. So that is one thing. And then we're going to move on to the meal plan. So at the end of every episode, I walk you through a five-day meal plan and the idea behind the meal plans is that I try to use some of the same ingredients throughout the week so that your grocery list is shorter while also giving some variety and different things on that meal plan. Now I do a meal plan every week and since this is episode 52 that means that there are 52 of them and you can get them all if you go to cookthestory.com slash meal plans and we've recently like redone that page and you'll see that the the graphics for each meal plan. You can actually read what is on the meal plans. You can zoom in your monitor and see it bigger. So you can choose which of those meal plans you want. And then when you click on the meal plan, you scroll down and you will get all the links to the recipes, instructions for making the meal plan work. And there's also a printable grocery list that goes with those meal plans. And we've been redoing those too. So they used to just kind of be everything in one big list. And then I guess you would just cross off anything that you already have that you don't need to buy. But we've started separating it out with sort of the top section, things that we're pretty sure you might have already in your pantry your eggs, butter, milk, that sort of thing in your fridge. And then the bottom part is the things you have to buy. And I'm trying really hard to keep that bottom list under 20 so that you're making five meals for your household and you only have to buy 20 ingredients. That is the goal. So if you wanna get all the meal plans with the grocery lists, it's cookthestory.com slash meal plans. And now we're gonna dive into this week's meal plan. So this week I really wanted to do foods that I love and that I make for myself when nobody else is here or when the kids aren't here. So I'm starting off with short ribs, beef short ribs. They're one of my favorite things. I do them in the Instant Pot and then I brush them with a little bit of oil and put them in the air fryer. You could put them under the broiler instead, that works. The Instant Pot makes them tender and juicy and then the broiler or the air fryer makes them all crunchy on the outside. And I love a little balsamic glaze on that. And you're gonna have that with oven polenta. I love this recipe, you put cornmeal, in a pan with boiling water and salt and stir it and stick it in the oven. It goes in for quite a while, but when it comes out, it's just beautiful, creamy, delicious polenta. You add cheese when it comes out and put it back in for a couple of minutes to melt it through. If it starts to get firmer than you'd like, you could just add a little bit more boiling water and it, it thins back out to that beautiful consistency. And you're gonna have some asparagus, some broiled or you could do the air fryer asparagus to have with that. So that's day one. On day two, we're doing air fryer chicken fajitas. I love doing this when it's just me and Marty home because it all fits in one air fryer. I do the peppers, the onions and the chicken all in the air fryer and then I just have some tortillas, maybe some guacamole, sour cream, lettuce, tomatoes, anything like that. I can chop that stuff up while the food is in the air fryer and dinner is quick and easy and delicious. I like doing that when the kids aren't here because I can add extra spice to the pepper and onion mixture, maybe some chipotle and adobo, that kind of thing and then it gets kind of extra fun. Okay, day three of this meal plan, you are going to use the rest of the oven polenta from the first day and make something like shrimp and grits. So grits and polenta are kind of similar to each other, so it's not a huge stretch. And you're going to have, it's uh, shrimp grits, and some more sauteed peppers and onions and some leftover asparagus if you have any left from the first day. On the fourth day of this meal plan, we're doing a chicken Caesar salad. I was talking about my mom earlier. My mom's Caesar salad recipe is the most unbelievable Caesar salad dressing recipe in the world. She made homemade Caesar salad dressing at all of her restaurants. You never got store-bought bottled stuff, always this delicious dressing that people raved about. People would buy it in like tubs, it was crazy. So that Caesar salad dressing, I do not have that actual recipe on my site anywhere because that is really hers. But I have variations that are made with Greek yogurt instead of so much egg and oil. And so I love making this recipe. It tastes very similar to my mom's classic Caesar salad dressing, but it is way less fat, high protein from the Greek yogurt. And I love having that. My kids do not love that strong garlic flavor as much as I do so I don't get to have Caesar salad when they're not here but I do make a big batch of this dressing and have it quite a bit when they're not here. It's also just great as like a veggie dip. It's it's just delicious. So chicken Caesar salad on day four and then on day five I am giving you instructions to make my favorite salmon recipe which is weirdly not on my websites anywhere. Sometimes I feel like if something is I don't know, just something that I do all the time. It's like barely even a recipe. I don't put it up on the sites, and that's silly. I'm going to work on trying to get this one up. It's broiled salmon, and what I do is I get a big sheet pan. So I preheat the broiler. I put a rack of the oven, sort of maybe like 10 or 12 inches from the broiler, and then I put some... Oil on the sheet pan, and then I put some oil on both sides of the salmon, skin side and not skin side, salt and pepper, garlic powder on both sides. And then I put the salmon skin side up on the sheet pan, and then it goes under the broiler. It's kind of far ish, like medium far from the broiler elements, the heat elements on the top. Now, what happens is in the time that it takes a salmon to cook through, the skin is at the top. It gets crunchy from those heating grates being up above it. So you get that crunchy skin on the salmon, which is like salmon bacon. I love it so much. But I think what also is happening is that the heat is cooler underneath because it, the salmon is protected by that salmon skin from the heat and so the actual salmon meat cooks a little slowly and gently and ends up super juicy. So. That is the broiled salmon. I will write those instructions in the meal plan because I don't have a recipe for it. I'll probably also link to another way to cook salmon just if you want a recipe to follow, I totally get it. And I'm doing that with some little baby potatoes. I don't know if you've seen these nibbles potatoes at the grocery store. They're like the tiniest little potatoes. I do those in the air fryer, just a little bit of oil, salt and pepper for about 10 minutes, shaking them once halfway through. And then you're gonna have some Caesar salad with that broiled salmon, baby potatoes and Caesar salad. And that is our meal plan for the week. And that is our anniversary show for the week. Thank you so much to Heather for being the interviewer. Thank you so much for listening to this episode, to other episodes. I'm really, really happy that you are here and that you're enjoying this show. And thank you to Caroline Hull and her team at Wild Home Podcasting for producing this episode And as always, thank you to Audiosnack for all of the great music. And don't forget to check out Blowpop on Spotify. They're awesome. Have a great week.